Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Proverbs 25, verses 11. Bible says that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Now, this word right here is more than just a good word. It's more than just a positive statement. He said, fitly spoken. Fitly spoken. Fitly spoken. He did not say a good word. You know, a good sentence, a good statement. A positive statement, you know, an encouraging statement, an inspiring statement, a strengthening statement. No, he said, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Christianity is a faith of confession. The Bible says that it's our profession. A profession, not just the duty of work, but the literal word profession there is confession. Christianity is a world of confession. He said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. The word there, profession, is also confession. Christianity is a life of confession. How did you become born again? You confessed the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear that with a heart a man believes and confession is made unto salvation. So without that confession, you cannot be saved. You see, it's some sort of confession. Even a person who is dumb and they're not able to speak, they have a language of confession. You understand? So, when you see how we become born again, it's a life of confession. You see, a life of relationship and worship to God is a life of confession. It's the words that we speak in our worship to God. It's the praises that we give to him. When we are winning souls and ministering concerning the way of the kingdom, we use our lips. You see? So you cannot be born again and live a successful life in salvation if you have not been taught how to speak. Somebody shout hallelujah. The speech even defines our doctrine. Doctrine is a language. And that language gives us the speech. That is why the Bible says that the man which is unskilled in the way of righteousness is unable to talk for he is a babe. For he still feeds on milk and not meat. He says for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. What are babes not able to do? Babes are not able to speak. You see? So that does not mean that physically somebody does not have words. You can have words, but in the spirit realm, you're not communicating. That is why we have people who pray 
but they don't have the results of prayer. We have people who preach, but they don't have the results of preaching. We have people who teach, and they don't have the results of teaching, because even though they are communicating, they're not speaking the language that should be understood. And that's the difference between someone who uses milk and meat. See? When you are a baby, they will give you milk. The Bible says, as babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow therein. So when you're a spiritual child, or like a physical child, they give you what? Milk. You don't have teeth yet to grind meat. But when you grow, and then you get meat, you eat food. Interestingly, as the teeth grow, so the language. You see? So the tongue to speak. So the ability to speak. So now the Bible says, men which are under the blessing of children are unable to speak. They are unable to speak. And like I said earlier, because they are still taking milk and therefore they are not trained in the way of righteousness, the word of his righteousness, the word of righteousness. So righteousness is a doctrine of the mature. When you find somebody still struggling between righteousness imputed through faith and righteousness by works, it defines their level of maturity regardless of how many Bible schools they have on their head. Are you hearing me? I wish I had time to speak to the ministers to help us understand what this really means. Because if a baby cannot speak, it doesn't matter how much sense and reasoning or logic you apply to your ministry, you are not speaking. Or rather, you are not being hard as you should. And because you're not being hard as you should, you cannot have the kinds of results someone should have because they are speaking or communicating rightly. Okay? Now, we are teaching people, confess right. Confess right. It's a good confession. Even the world knows that a good confession will get you out of trouble, will heal you, it will deliver you, it will transform you, it will redeem you. You see? But now, we are getting to the level of now getting to a place of defining even beyond the positive confessions that we make, God wants us to understand how to apply words fitly. He said a word fitly spoken. Beyond just knowing what to speak, God is saying a word that is fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Let me first demystify the apples of gold and the pictures of silver. I've shared this before in Ezekiel 28 verses 4. I made the sentence once. It says that with thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee what? Riches. And hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. What does that mean? That gold and silver as riches are related or connected to the wisdom and understanding. He says, you have received wisdom and understanding. And because you have wisdom and understanding, you've gotten the riches and you have gotten yourself gold, which represents what? Wisdom. And silver, which represents what? Understanding in your treasures. So spiritually, gold represents what? Wisdom. And silver represents what? Understanding. Iron is knowledge. Now, when he says in Proverbs 25, 11, that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver, what does that mean? You see that it's connecting? 
a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold or the representation of wisdom in pictures of silver, the representation of understanding. Now, the Bible says that wisdom resteth where understanding is. Did you know that? Wisdom resteth where understanding is. So, I want you to see the picture that usually understanding is the best and wisdom resteth in the heart of him that has what? Understanding. So, when he speaks of the apples of gold in pictures of silver, it means that when we have the best of understanding, we have the establishment also and the attachment of wisdom. With He's talking about a man with wisdom in understanding. Are you following what I'm saying? So it's one thing to say, I have wisdom, which actually should come first. With wisdom, a house is what? Built. And with understanding, a house is established. And with knowledge, the house is filled in chambers with all precious and pleasant riches. So yes, wisdom is a principal thing. It comes first. You see? But you cannot contain or sustain the realm of wisdom and how much it demands of you if you have not arrayed it in the picture or in the frames of understanding. He says, get wisdom. And in all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is a principal thing. But it cannot stand alone without understanding. Even though understanding comes, it is what establishes a man. Are you seeing that? So we have people who claim to have a wisdom, but which wisdom is not applicable to the understanding as it should be understood, okay, or defined. So even though wisdom comes first, we can only establish the way of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge when you have understanding because Understanding is the place of establishment. So he has said, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Is the true positioning and reconciliation of understanding and wisdom. That's what he's saying. The true reconciliation of understanding and wisdom. A wisdom in understanding. The true reconciliation of wisdom in understanding is represented by how fitly a man speaks the word. So you see, it's more than just speaking the word. We are defining fitly speaking the word. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, the Hebrew word there for fitly is often. It's called often. Not your English word often. Or often. It's often. O-P-H-E-N. And often means a word that is spoken in the right circumstances or a word that is spoken in the right condition or a word that is spoken in a timely condition or circumstance or a word that is spoken in its season you see so he's talking about circumstance he's talking about condition he's talking about a timely word he's talking about a word spoken in season in its season he says if you can know how to speak and apply a word in the season when it's needed, if you can learn how to speak the word in the circumstance in which it must be spoken, if you can learn to reconcile the words that you speak in the conditions in which they should be spoken, in the season in which they should be spoken, then you have been established in wisdom and understanding in your speech. 
Let me go a bit deeper here. If you went to a doctor and the doctor gave you a bad report, okay, you're suffering from this. And they say, oh, okay. So what do we do? Hey, we're going to treat you. And you're writing, you're writing. Yeah, they, then they're, they're writing, you know, your treatments and what. And you're there, you're listening, you're doing everything. Okay. So you come back on Tuesday, okay. And then you do this, okay. And then you do that, okay. You're listening. And then you go back home, you go in the car. And then you say, I refuse to be sick. That word was not spoken fitly. Let me explain. When the doctor was speaking, what were you saying? You were just saying, okay. And so if you don't do this, you'll die. Ah, okay. See, your confession. Oh, okay. You're respecting the what? The doctor. Ah, okay. So I swallow this. Okay. I swallow this times too. Ah, okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, doctor. They give you drugs. You go in the car. I refuse to be sick. You see? It's not fitting. That was a statement you were supposed to speak the moment they said the diagnosis. Are you hearing me? Then listen to their recommendations of what they have to do to treat you. But after you have spoken it at that moment, the moment they say, they found this in your blood. That's the moment you're supposed to say, I refuse that in Jesus' name. Then let the doctor speak. Are you hearing me? But that's a word fitly spoken. Why? Because what has come out of your spirit at that point was what was the necessary response to that confession. Why? Because a man with words came and said, they have found this in your blood. That's a confession. Are you hearing me? And whether it's in your blood or it's not, he has spoken it. He has created it. Are you hearing me? But somebody said, but it was there. He has just told me what was there. Yes. But the fact that he has confessed it, he has given it life. Do you know how many people go to doctors and then they're diagnosed with something? And the moment they're diagnosed, they fall sick. They were feeling a bit, mm. So they say, oh, I went to the doctor, I wasn't feeling well. Then they say that I had this. And then they start going under from the day they were diagnosed. Yet perhaps they've been living with that disease for many years and they didn't even have a clue. I know what I'm speaking is so foolish to people who are not of faith. And this also includes believers. Many Christians are not here. Their thoughts are far. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. So yes, we're talking about positive confession and stuff. You have to learn to confess and stuff like that. But to fitly speak a word is to know when to speak it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody wakes up with a pain in their body and they say, ah. Then they go and then first swallow a painkiller and then they drink water and then they first send a message to someone. Then after like 30 minutes, I refuse this. You understand? All of those 30 minutes, something is eating up your body. So yes, you might speak yourself out of the trouble, but you'll have paid 30 minutes of unnecessary pain. And those 30 minutes are enough to kill you. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, a word fitly spoken is to know that when a condition comes, when a circumstance comes, when a season comes that is against you or is contrary to you, you must know how to turn it. And one of the ways to turn it is to know how to speak a word fitly. Not just confessing, but fitly. You see, 
conditions, circumstances, seasons really prove how far we have believed. You see? So the believer, like I said, could go to the hospital and they tell him, you have this. And the first thing they do is, oh Lord Jesus. Then they're downcast. Then they remember, but you're a believer. Remember the sermon apostle preached last week. Then you, oh. But the fact that in those first seconds, you say, oh Lord Jesus, in fear, that your heart was saying, oh, I'm in trouble. Or perhaps your heart was saying, oh, I'm finished. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Are you hearing me? That was the time you needed to have spoken the right word. So many people usually in their confessions, they're counterattacking what they have already created by reason of the condition or season or circumstance. They're already counterattacking it. Are you hearing me? And so they're trying to undo what has already been done, not because of what's in their body, but because of the first thought or confession that came out of their mouth when they received the news. To learn to know when and how to speak means that you are taught of God. That's a learned spirit. The Bible says that the Lord has given me the tongue of the land. And because he has given me the tongue of the land, he says, I know how to speak a word. I know how to speak a word in season. Isaiah 50 verses 4. He says, the Lord has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season. A word in season. How to speak a word in season. How to speak a word in season to him that is weary. And he wakeneth me morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as one which is learned. If a man is learned or told of God, if a man is established in the wisdom and understanding of God, that man knows how to speak a word in season. He knows what to speak in the season when he's under attack. He knows what to speak in the season when he's under pain. He knows what to speak when he's under hard conditions. He knows what to speak when the circumstances have changed against them. He knows how to speak. Not what, but how. Because we're beyond what to speak. Of course, we all know what to speak when you're under pain, you refuse it, you cast it out. That is what to speak. But how to speak it is the question. So some people are struggling. They don't have the results that they must have because they don't know how to speak a word. They know what to speak. So if you put them in an interview, then you told them, if you went to a doctor and then they say, this is in your body, what would you say? They would say, I would refuse it in Jesus' name. Yes, but how would you refuse it? That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to explain here. He's saying that it takes a place of wisdom in understanding. It's an establishment of wisdom in understanding. Why do we confess what we confess when we confess it? Because I know Christians who are confessing every day, but they're living a life that is against all their confession. But they're confessing, I am rich, I am rich, I am rich, landlord, boo, boo, boo. I said, I am rich, fees, boo, boo, boo. I said, I am rich, and they're losing it every day. Why? Because it is not fitly spoken. It is spoken, but it is not fitly spoken. You must know when to come against the word spoken. I'll give you an example, typical example. One time I was with somebody and they were giving an example. Hmm? And he said, for example, if you fall sick, they are talking to me. They are giving me an example. 
Are you hearing me? And then the guy said, sorry, if you fall sick, eh? it's an innocent conversation. Sickly speaking. The moment he said, if you fall sick, my heart immediately said, ah! No. Even in the example, I don't fall sick. You see? That was fitly spoken. You see? For some, I tell them, you know, use another example. Why me? Me, I don't fall sick. Or, if they are mature and I have a respect for them, my heart immediately turns that word. I say, I cancel that. I can't fall sick. That's fitly spoken. But some of you, in a conversation, somebody can say, if you fall sick, mm -hmm. but they were just giving an example. They were not saying that you're going to fall sick. What's the big deal? Listen, the devil does not joke. Life and death are in the power of the tongue whether you're joking or you're not. It's a principle. Who has understood what I'm saying? Life and death are in the power of the tongue whether you're joking or you're not. And you know, we have these parents who when they get angry, they say what? Eh? Let me see whether you will get married. The moment they say it, because you don't want to offend them, in your heart say, I will get married in Jesus' name. Say it in your heart. Because also if you don't apply wisdom, slaps can come from all poles. You understand? You know, there's some people who don't have wisdom. They talk to adults like they're talking to their peers. Mommy, I refuse it. Papa. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> so in those places where, for example, your father or your mother is annoyed and then they say something hard, eh? you'll struggle in this life. You say, in Jesus' name, I will not struggle. If you're in another room, say it under the breath of your voice, in the name of Jesus, I cannot I counsel that in Jesus' name. That's a word fitly spoken. But some of you, you'll struggle. And then you're like, I'm sorry. You will do this. You'll go through that. I'm so sorry. You'll do this and that and that. I'm so sorry. And then the day ends. And then you go on. No, 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 no. You've left something unfinished here. Something has been released in the air that you're going to struggle. You're hearing me? And sometimes it's those little subtle things. You're watching television and your leader is speaking and then he makes a statement and he said, you will die. And then you say, not me in Jesus' name. Then you extend, not my family, not funeral members. That's a word fitly spoken. Are you hearing me? But some of you, Satan has had a way of getting and planting seeds of destruction because we don't know how to fit our words to circumstances. We don't know how to fit our words to conditions. We don't know how to fit our words with the timings. We don't know how to fit our words with the seasons. Fit your words. Can I give you another example? Thoughts. Satan brings a thought in you. You're seated there. And then you're doing your own business. And then you imagine your mother is sick. It has come. Satan has planted a vision on your spirit because he knows he cannot work against your power. Are you hearing me? But he can work with it to destroy you. He can't withstand you. He has been disarmed. The Bible says all power and authority has been given unto me. That is Jesus speaking. Then he told us, go. So Satan knows that he has no power of a believer. He can't work against your power, but he can work with your power to destroy you. He can't work against it. Because he's defeated. You see what I'm saying? But he can take advantage. Like I have given an example years ago where people are, you know, pulling ropes, one end and another. You see, what do they call that in English? Huh? Tug of war, right? And then they're pulling this way. And then these guys agree and saying, in three, two, one, we're going to just release a little. 
right? And then in three, two, one, they release the rope. And then these guys all fall. And then these guys win. You see, they have not won by their own strength. No, they have won by wisdom. You understand? So it's their strength, the guys on the opposite side, which has actually made them fall and lose. If you don't know how to use your power, it can be used against you. So when it is, then people build doctrines around, hey, the devil is powerful. I've heard believers saying, we break the power of the enemy. Wait, wait. If all power and authority has been given to Christ, how can you break the power? Which power does he have except that which you gave him? That's an unfit word. You're trying to confess positively, but you have no wisdom and understanding. We break the power of the enemy. The power of the enemy. Who gave him that power? You gave him that power. You see what I'm saying? He is a defeated foe. When Paul looks at this man, he says that you may be able to withstand the tricks of the enemy. He didn't call it the power of the enemy. Stand therefore, hallelujah, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. If you will open the New Living Translation, I love the way it phrases it. He says, stand therefore in the liberty so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. New Living Translation calls them strategies, not power, strategies, plans. You see, so the devil has no power over a believer. He just has strategies. He just has, you know, wiles. He has tricks. He can trick you into thinking you're going to die. <laughs> Woo! Glory! Are you hearing me? But all he needs to do is to get to a point of convincing you that you're actually going to die. The moment you get convinced, cellular memory, all the cells in your body, eh? scientifically they say all cells have a memory. And they can receive instruction by your thought. So when you think that you are going to die, every cell in your body starts moving through to kill you. Because you're thinking like a fallen man. They'll call that natural death. They died by natural cause. Nature took its course in your body. A believer should not die of natural causes because you are supernatural. Listen, we go to heaven. We just wake up and say, now I'm ready to go. That's not natural cause. That's a decision to say, now I'm satisfied with life. And then you go to heaven. But natural cause, we're not subject to natural cause. Why? Because there's a higher law working in us. It's called the law of the life-giving spirit in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. The Bible says the son of God's life was not taken. He gave it. You understand? nature took its course. That means nature took over you and say, because you have this disease, because they found cancer in you, you have to die. Yet, in every disease in the world, there is somebody who has healed from it. Every disease. The whole spectrum. Any disease you know, there is somebody who has healed from it. In the world, somewhere. Of anything that could have killed, there is somebody who didn't contract it when they were exposed to it. So why does one person make it and then you don't make it? Why should you be among those ones who die? Somebody say, I refuse to die. Thank you. You see, the answer came fitly. Others were just learning. Then somebody said, I refuse. You see, I didn't tell her to. No, it was fitting. Because she's flowing with something in the spirit. But you see, that little statement you've made here will redeem tens and tens of years on your life. Because you know how to speak. 
You know how, not what anymore, but you know how to speak apples of gold in pictures of silver. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So we have many believers who some, it's not the words spoken, but it's the thoughts. A thought comes to you. Hmm. What if this is happening? What if this happens? And then you just say, ah. hey, hi, Rogers, where are you? But you've left something planted in the air. It's there. It's there. It's there. Are you following me? It's there. At that point when the thought comes that you might not get the job, that's the time you have to kill it. Don't wait till next week. Don't just shake it off and move away because it is life already. But that's just life working against you. Hallelujah. The moment the thought comes, oh, what if you get this picture? Your relative is sick, your mother is sick, or something is happening. Immediately, I cancel those thoughts in Jesus' name. My relative cannot be sick. You move on. You will start to see a stable life from one level of glory to another level of glory to another level of glory. Why? Because you fitly speak it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Some people wait for circumstances to pass and then they start their confessions. So the devil slaps you left, right and center and after hitting you and he's done and that's when you remember to confess. That's why you're struggling. Some of you, the devil is working every morning in your head. Since 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you woke up thinking about something. It stayed on your mind. You didn't pray. You didn't do anything. Up to 6 a.m., you were thinking of one thing. Are you hearing me? So how can you have a thought of three hours, yet you can't pray for 10 minutes? And then you expect a life of success cannot happen. Are you hearing me? Because you've been incubating the negative thought longer then you have been incubating the positive one. You don't know how to speak yet. You don't know how to speak. Yes, you're speaking, but you don't know how to speak. And babes are like that, with little babies. You understand? Sometimes they have the understanding, but they don't have it full. They have the wisdom, but it's not yet full. So they are trying to speak. I haven't this, so it's little ones. And then she said, my daddy buyed me a bicycle. What? My daddy buyed me a bicycle. What? Buyed me. Oh, she wanted to tell me her father bought her. He says, my daddy buyed me a bicycle. You see, communication, buyed me. Now, of course, I have understood what she's saying. But grammatically, her mind has not yet matured to know the difference between bought and buyed, and that buyed is not an English word to be applied there. But she's trying to communicate. Some of you are abiding in the spirit realm. You're abiding yourselves bicycles in the spirit. You're praying, even when you're casting out devils, you're casting out your devils biding bicycles. <laughs> May God give you a certain conversation, a certain language, a certain speech that is accurate to the issue. May you know how to speak it when you're addressing the devil. May you know how to speak it when you're addressing disease. May you know how to speak it when you're addressing the circumstances or the seasons of your time. May you know how. The Bible says sometimes we don't know how we ought to pray. And then he kobada But the Bible says, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So that's why we speak in tongues. That's why I feel sorry. That's why it doesn't matter how born again somebody is. If they don't speak in tongues, they don't know how to speak yet fully. 
Because there are those times we don't know how to pray, he said. Or what to pray. But the Bible says, but the Spirit of God comes through. And then you find yourself, There's a lady with us in the ministry. She just joined a couple of weeks ago. You know, she's been, you know, in the world doing her own thing. And then somehow, recently when I was teaching, at the end of service, I said, glory to God, glory to God. And then as I was saying glory to God, and I said, speaking other tongues, glory to God. She had never been, you know, baptized by the evidence of speaking in tongues. And then she found herself muttering, then she told me, I thought I was just going to pray to the end. I found my lips moving three hours after. I went to sleep. I woke up, my lips were still moving. Even when she called me yesterday, she said, Apostle Grace. I said, yes. <laughs> she started speaking. And I said, Revon, darling, go, go, go. That's it. That's it. This person who could not even pray for 10 minutes, for five minutes, they can't pray. But now she told me she can't stop praying. And just from Thursday to now, she got a very big job offer. Just like that. Just like that. She's been believing God for some big job. It had failed to come. But on Thursday when she got it, she just found herself every time. You understand? Apostle, thank you. So she was speaking two words in English, another word in the tongue. So I know what she's saying. She's saying, I might not have fitness to speak what I want to speak, but I have a helper. If you don't know what to say, at least speak a tongue. If you don't know what to say, at least say rapa dego. Doctor say this is in your blood. What? Nothing. Madam, I don't understand what you're speaking. Rindo are you okay? Matile Barade, Zikobo, 100%. I'm okay. Subarade Gota, Rina Gozo, Ripade, Zoba. But many of you are not that crazy. You're too sober to be used. You're too reasoning and logical for God to work with you. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7, he gives us an example of what the blood of Jesus does. And I want to help people who always use the word blood of Jesus. Eh? Many times when trouble comes, blood of Jesus. Yes, 1 John 1, 7 says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. All sin. In the realm of sin, the blood does it. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 22. It says, almost all things by the law are purged with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. See? But underline the first four words. Almost all things, and almost all things, and almost all things are purged by the blood. That means not all things are purged by the blood. Almost all things. And sin is in the realm of those things that are purged by the blood. 
Sin is among those things that are purged by the blood. But there are things that cannot be cleansed or purged or taken away by the blood. It's a hard thing for Christians to understand this, but not all things can be purged by the blood because the Bible says almost all, if you read the Amplified Version there, he says, in fact, under the law, almost everything is purified by means of the blood. Another shedding of blood, there is neither release from sin and, and its guilt, nor the remission of due and merited punishment for sin. So yes, we agree that when it comes to the realm of sin, the blood of God is enough to cover all sin. But almost all things are purged by the blood, but not all things are purged or purified by the blood. There are things that you will not apply the blood of Jesus on and it works. Not that the blood of Jesus is not enough, but it was not meant to purge that part. How, How can you say the blood of Jesus is not enough? I'm not saying it. Hebrews 9.22 did not say all things are purified by means of the blood. No, he says almost all things, almost all. So there are some things that we are not to apply the blood. Are you hearing me? There's another pageant. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives, even as also Christ loved the church, and gave himself for it, uh that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So even when you don't have, there are certain places, even when you plead the blood, you might not get the answer because God will tell you, the blood has dealt with your sin. But now that you are free from sin, I need to further purge you, further purify you, further cleanse you. And the other thing I must use is the word. Even when Jesus was praying in John 17, 17, he asked the Father, he says, sanctify them through thy truth, for thy word is truth. He says, sanctify them, please, sanctify them through the truth, for your word is the truth. So what the blood is not able to sanctify, the word of God will sanctify. Somebody shout, hallelujah, glory to God. It's true that the blood of Jesus took away your sins. But not everyone who has that conscience is living a successful life in Christ. Because much as the blood was available to take away our sins, there are places where the word of God wants to take over and instruct you how to deal with certain things. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. But there are things who is understanding what I'm saying? I know this is dangerous to people who are indifferent to the way of God that they think in speaking this, I'm belittling the power of the blood. I'm not belittling the power of the blood. I'm truly defining its function and what it was called to do. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of their testimony. So what? Yes, so what? So what? He said, by the blood of the Lamb, comma, and the word of their testimony. He did not say by the blood of the Lamb alone. He said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb 
comma, and by the word of their testimony. Some people only end on the blood. No, God says get a word of your testimony and add it to this. Because Revelation has said you didn't end only in the blood. If Revelation had said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, full stop, would plead the blood every time. But he said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, comma, and by the power of the testimony. That means what the blood would not sanctify, the word of your testimony will sanctify. You see what I'm saying? That's the perfect balance. That's the perfect balance. You see, let me explain this. If you find yourself sick in your body, huh? the pain is there. Yes, he was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities, chastisement of peace was upon him. By stripes, ye were healed. That is true. That is very true. When you say, I plead the blood on this pain. What is the word of your testimony? Because already, even before you were afflicted, Jesus had indeed shed his blood for your sins. You see what I'm saying? But what do you say about it? Please understand what I'm saying. I'm trying to fit words here. Because people don't understand. Do you know how many people, like recently I was <laughs> moving some time and, and I found somebody with a rosary. Sorry, no offense. And it was Jesus on the cross. And the Spirit told me, but ours is not on the cross. How come this person's Jesus is still on the cross? No, it reminds them of his death. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, it reminds them of his death. But God is telling them, live beyond the death and understand the resurrection. Why don't you wear something that reminds you of his resurrection? Who has understood what I just said? Because death on the Christ, the crucifixion on the Christ was not the end of that story. No, it was resurrection unto life. Why don't you create something? Are you hearing me? That can show that he's raised. Why do you end in the death? Why you stayed on the cross? Listen, even the disciples of Jesus left the cross. Are you hearing me? Even Jesus left the cross. Are you hearing me? The cross is empty. I'm not saying that there is no power. I believe in the power of the cross. But God wants you to transcend beyond the power of the cross to the life that it should give you. You understand what I'm saying? Transcend beyond the power of the blood to the life that is in that blood. And the life that is in that blood is activated through confession. I refuse to be sick. I cannot force it. Yes, you can say because he shed his blood at Calvary. Thank you. But you have refused to be sick. <laughs> That's the word of your testimony. You understand? But somebody has paid. I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. To do what? I plead the blood of Jesus. But what's the word of your testimony? Yes, the blood of Jesus is available and it was available before you fell sick. It was all over you before you fell sick. So what do you do with it? I plead it. To do what? Are you hearing me? To heal me. What? You were healed. The Bible says by his stripes, ye were healed. First Peter 2.24. So if by his stripes, ye were healed. The blood finished its work. You can claim the right of what the blood did. But at the end of the day, 
it's where now you stand and say, now I claim my healing. That's the word of your testimony. That's the word fitly spoken. That's the word of your testimony. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, I'm not against the blood. I am for the blood. I preach about it. I will preach about it until the day I leave this world. Are you hearing me? But not all things are purged by the blood. It's important for you to understand that almost all, but not all, sin, 100%. And if it's in the understanding of that you were delivered from all sin, therefore you refused to be sick, still, by saying that, it's the word of your testimony. But some people use the blood like, I use this hanky. Blood of Jesus, cover. What's the understanding? What's the revelation? Are you hearing me? Do you have the revelation of what that blood did? Do you have the wisdom of applying it? You understand? No, in the Old Testament, they put blood on the door. And whenever the angel of death came, you understand? But the people you're talking about were not born again. They were not new creation. They were not a new creation. When you became born again, the story changed. The story changed. You're not far from the person who puts a Bible under their pillow to think that because they have a Bible under their pillow, therefore the demons will not come. No. Demons don't touch us because we have a certain revelation and a certain understanding of who we are in Christ, the word of our testimony. Of course, the blood did it. The blood was the door. But we did not end at the blood. We went deeper to the testimony that follows the life of that blood. Did you understand what I just said? Jesus said that the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and their life. This is Jesus. They are spirit and their life. They are spirit and their life. The Holy Spirit was telling me something so interesting. If the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's Proverbs, Old Testament. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And Jesus comes and said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and their life. He's not saying that he only necessarily can speak life and spirit. He's saying that the words that I choose to give you are spirit and their life. I refuse to give you death. That's what he means. That means the words you speak also are spirit and are life. Who has understood it? The words that you speak also are spirit and the life. When you say, I am sick, you've given it life and you've invited the spirit of infirmity in your body. Who has understood it? I tell Christians, stop joking. Stop joking. Oh, brother, that's a nice car. Ah, it's not mine, but it's his. That is trying to be humble. That they're trying to be humble. Oh, you look beautiful, Annette. <laughs> Go away with this nose. What? Annette, what? Not real names. Some Annette watching me right now can get offended. You understand what I'm saying? So, Annette, what? You understand? That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. You have invited the life and spirit of ugliness. 
and then you look in the mirror and you know women eh? women are so interesting i did not know that women even have a good side of a picture i did not know it that it exists so one time I'm taking pictures with one of our girls in the ministry and say, this is my good side. And so what, what do you mean? No, no, this one is my good side. I think she had something, this side, that she noticed on her face, but there's not really much something here. So she took a picture here. Are you hearing me? You have a problem. So you have already defined a good side. A good side of the smile. So the other one is what? Oh, look at you. Are you hearing me? Every side of you should be good. Listen, because that's what the gospel does. It makes all things beautiful in their time, in the fitting. Are you hearing me? Listen, there is nobody the gospel can't make handsome. There is nobody the gospel can't make beautiful. There is nobody the gospel can't make tall. Listen, listen. With God, all things are possible. As a man thinketh, so he is. Somebody is narrating, oh, okay, I should have seen you Tuesday, but I had a bad day that day. What? What makes it bad? Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for the good. If you understood, you'd have fitly said, I had a very good day that day. Why? Because you believe in the God who will turn what was bad that day to good. That's a word fitly spoken. So we go beyond positive confession. We mature in wisdom and understanding and know how to speak, not just what to speak, but how to speak. How to speak. Somebody shout hallelujah. So don't even joke in the sentence. Don't even allow anyone to joke on you in a sentence. If you can counterattack it, counterattack it. If you can't, at least counterattack it in your heart. But say something. Don't allow the devil to just. Some of you, your head is like Netflix. The devil puts in any movie he wants. See, you think anything. You're like a DVD player. The devil can put in anything and you play it. Any time, any day, even your dreams, you dream things are chasing you. You can't even sleep. This is a lot of activity here. Do you know, as I've said recently, bipolar, schizophrenia, personality disorders, mental health is on the rise. Why are people more mentally disturbed in our time more than ever before? Because the devil is planting so much. So much. People think night and day. You see negative things on WhatsApp. That's why I told people, the Lord years ago told me, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and I'm not saying anyone on it is wrong. But if you're not on Twitter for the gospel, if you're not on Facebook for the gospel, or for your work, some of you, your work is tied to Facebook. There's no way you will work without using it. That's all right. But just pleasure. You sit three, four hours you're on Facebook. What's happening in your head? And you tell them, pray. You understand? They can't pray for two minutes. And then you ask yourself, why nothing is working? If your speech is not fit, nothing about you is fit. Somebody raise your voice and thank God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb.
what a savior, what a salvation we have received by grace, everlasting. Come and speak something that fits your situation, that fits your season. Speak. Come on, speak in other tongue. Speak, confess over your family. Confess over your health. Confess over your mind. Confess over your marriage. never be the same again and we learn to speak words fitly in every circumstance condition time or season we have learned by your spirit may it stay may it be established may it build roots and produce fruit through us and in us in Jesus mighty name you're sick in your body you're healed how do I know it I know where I stand with God I know my place with God. The Lord told me that you will just declare and people will be healed. So when you see me declaring, don't submit me to your traditional way of healing the sick. If you've been with me long, I said, the lame are walking, people are getting healed, somebody with this is healed. Because years ago he told me, you will speak a word simply when I get into a certain place of the anointing, I just speak. I just speak. When I'm in that zone, I just speak. And I know it is done. You're sick in your body. You're healed. In Jesus' name. Marriages are being restored. In Jesus' mighty name. It is done. It is done. You're going to have a good week. You're going to have a good month. You're going to have a good year. The best days of your life are ahead of you. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised 
for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.